Do 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 do. Boing boing. Dun, 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 dun. You're recording, aren't you? Absolutely. Testing five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. In culture. This is Clint. And this is Steve. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed your Christmas. Yeah, actually, uh, you're still celebrating Christmas at this time. It's still liturgically Christmas. Yep. Um, so we hope you are enjoying your Christmas season. Presently. Um, I'm sure, hopefully your Advent was great. Your actual Christmas Eve and Christmas Day were wonderful. And now you are living in the joy that is the incarnation of Christ. Wow, that was beautiful. So actually, now that I think about it, uh, today, when this episode comes out, I will be celebrating Christmas with my mom's side of the family. Oh, the, the 29th? Yeah, yeah. And uh, that is like the huge side of the family. So I have like, I don't even know how many, like probably 60 first cousins or something on that side. And so like, it's just a massive family. So we'll get to be surrounded by all those people, a lot of cousins that I don't know and stuff like that. So, you know, that's what happens when you have a massive family. You don't get to know everyone. Right. Or you have a massive family like me, and then you just have to know everyone. You don't... Do you actually have a big family? You have no siblings. Uh, yes. However, my mom is one of eight, and my father is one of eight. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. That's 16. Um, and then they have those a bunch of kids and things like that, so... Cool, that's what happens. Actually, fun fact, my Aunt Kathy, who's the oldest of my mom's siblings, and my mom is the youngest, so my Aunt Kathy's grandson is my age. Okay, so first off, I have an Aunt Kathy on my dad's side. They could be the same person. Second off... (laughs) We're actually related. What are the odds? (laughs) Yeah, so uh, my both of my parents are the youngest, actually. Mm. So my mom's side... She, I have cousins who are like older than my mom, yeah. basically. So yeah, yeah. Same, same situation. Yeah, that's weird because like my my mom's the youngest on her side, and my dad is the youngest with like his full siblings. Full, okay. He has some yeah. step siblings from a second second marriage. Sure, but, but yeah, he's the youngest of like his man. Check it out, family. and yeah, Clint and I are actually the same person. It's yeah. just we. I'm just running back and forth, right? Yeah. Except as we found out last week, you are super Eastern European and German. And I am just German and we- I'm actually Western not, European. Actually, not German. You're not German at all. No. Your name is Sherman. Yes, we stole that name. Seriously. Yeah, my great always the thief. I know my great 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 grandfather. What whatever. My grandfather's grandfather. When he came over from uh, the Ukraine, because he's Ukrainian, my dad's okay. side. When he came over, it was right after the Civil War. And so General Sherman just won a bunch of military victories. And so he came in through Ellis Island um, and knew that. And Eastern Europeans were very persecuted at the time. And so he stole his last name to try to avoid persecution. What a rogue. I know. Yeah, I have no idea what my real last name is. That's nuts. (laughs) What are the... Yeah, like it's just history, man. Dang. My Uncle Danny, I think, knows. He's the one who paid for Ancestry and all that. So he's the one who found all this information out. Also found out that like we always thought we were like Blackfoot Indian and we're not. We're like Cherokee or whatever for Native That's American. That's still pretty cool. Yeah, um, my grandmother couldn't remember what tribe her grandmother was from, but that's awesome. Um, but yeah, just weird little tidbits of information about me. You want to know where my last name comes from? Hmm. 
It's uh, French for someone who trades by cart, like a cart merchant. Oh, I thought it was like from like milk or yeah. cigarette dealer. Or like eggs or juice. Yeah. Yeah. Because my last name's Carton. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Nope. It's a cart merchant. Oh, from, cool. From yeah, France. mine was uh, Sherman, which is means that I just was sheer and cheap all up in the place. Or a military tank. Yeah. Probably came later. Right. Uh, I actually, my family are descended from tanks. We're all metallic. That makes sense why you are so tall. <laughs> yep. I'm actually a robot. Oh my gosh. Okay, let's move. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. Just getting weird. Uh, okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's actually a great segue. <laughs> what? <laughs> Hear me out. More forged. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, Jeez. Terrible segue. Um, anyway. That was not intended. Uh, it has been all of 10 minutes since we last recorded yeah. uh, our Christmas episode of the Polar Express. Go check that out if you haven't. Yeah. So we're going to move on to, uh, you know, because I don't think we've even taken any media unless you have something else you wanted to add. Yeah, I still have more on my list. Okay, well, this, go, ahead, yeah, go ahead and it, add more to your list. Uh, and mine's the same as last week. Yeah, so I wanted to add... Uh, three books that I haven't talked about yet. Okay. So the first one uh, that I'm reading, which I actually, I should be done with all three of these by the time this comes out. But first one is uh, Socrates meets Jesus uh, Mm. by Peter Kreeft, I believe. And it's literally just like if Socrates were to come to modern America and encounter Christians, like what would the philosophical dialogue be? Uh, Which is really interesting so far. So, Mm. and then... That'd be very interesting, especially with some of the ways that, like, the gospel is actually, like, what we are ought to actually believe, and, like, sometimes, like, what we believe as, like, American Christians as opposed to, like, what is actually biblically true. Yeah, and I'm not that far into the book yet, but I'm sure that will come up. Yeah, so. Like, what would Socrates say about, like, prosperity gospel? No comment. Uh... (laughs) So, that's, that's the first book that I'm reading right now, and then I'm also reading The Last Battle from C.S. Lewis's Narnia series. So it's the final Mm. book. Um, And then I'm also reading The Dragon's Egg by David A. Wells, which is an interesting fantasy book. Is it about an egg that hatches a dragon? Man, I haven't seen anything about dragons or eggs yet in the book, and I'm already like a third of the way through it. So I don't know what's going on. (laughs) What a misnomer. I know. So... Maybe it's like some surprise thing that comes later. Yeah. At the very end, the last, last page, page, he goes and he finds a dragon and egg. And there was the dragon egg. The end. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that's the end of the show. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, and then the last thing is um, so when I first found out that I was staying in Texas long term, I wanted to tour the state. Mm. And so I went on like this road trip with a friend of mine, John Michael. Uh, this was before I knew you. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's cool. Thanks for the invite. Yeah. No, it's next time. All right. Next time I'm I decide, I'm st- on it. next time I decide, I'm staying in Texas long term. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we went on this this road trip, and we happened to be in Austin the week of South by Southwest, mm. which is like the big music festival and everything. Right. And we went to like see a bunch of music and stuff. And one of the things we went to lunch one day at a barbecue restaurant, and they just happened to have country music because if you go to South by Southwest, every single like building, even like the grocery stores, have live bands. Like there's live bands everywhere. It's like Nashville. Um, so we're at this barbecue place, and we listen to we're listening to a couple bands, and this one comes on. It's this like family band, like it's two brothers and their uncle or something like that, or mm-hmm. their dad. And I loved them; like they were awesome. 
but this was like almost two years ago that I listened to this. And the past month or two, I've been trying to remember what they were called. And I used to listen to them on YouTube like all the time, but I couldn't find them. And then the other day I was like, all right, I give up. I, I want to figure out who they are. So I was, I knew they were named after a, a small town in Texas. So I was going through the list of every town in Texas. Like, does that sound familiar? No. Does that sound familiar? No. And I go through like the entire list, like no joke. And I couldn't find it. And I was like, dang it. I have no other ideas. But I saw like Stillwater, Texas or something like that. And I was like, wait a second. The band had water in the name. So I was like, okay, which ones have water? And I still couldn't figure it out. And then I went to uh, my history. And I remember that you could just like do a mass search through your history. And I just typed in water and it was the first thing that came up. I was like, I could have done this like three months ago and not had any stress. So I found it and it's called the Pushwater Band. And they're like this uh, country Americana, like folk band. Mm -hmm. And I love their music, especially there's a song in the ground, which is, they wrote it about a civil war soldier who, when he returned home, uh, his best friend was in the war with him, but left like a month before. And when he returned home, his best friend had run away with his wife. And so he hunted them down from, it was like South Carolina. He hunted them all the way to California. Oh, wow. Killed them and then buried them. And so the song is about like him like doing that and then getting caught and stuff. Oh, wow. But it's a really cool sound. Yeah. Um, are you a big like folk kind of guy? I really enjoy like the Americana genre, mm -hmm. which is like a country folk like cross kind of. Okay. So, yeah. I, oh, uh, do you know We Three, the band? So, they were on, like, um, America's Got Talent or something okay. like that. Yeah, yeah, But it's three siblings. Mm. And they became really, really famous on, like, social media because their audition song was what they wrote for their mother who just passed away of cancer. Oh, wow. And it was amazing. But I've been yeah. listening to them lately, too. So, they're Americana as well. There is a band that I really like um, that was introduced to me by a friend um, called Johnny Swim. Johnny Swim? Mm-hmm. It's all okay. one word. Um, they're like a folk sort of band. Uh, really great. I actually really like them because their songs, I think they're very, very talented. It's a it's a couple. Mm -hmm. It's a man and woman. They're a couple. And their songs are just like, they're not like a Christian band, but like they're just very, like their songs are just very virtuous Yeah. in the way that they sing. So they have like some love songs and things, but they're not like your typical love song that's like almost hedonistic. Like it's a very virtuous um, thing and they're just they're, they've got some really great songs um they're kind of like a bluesy folk genre okay so i would check them out if i were you they're really really good yeah and since we're talking about this if you guys like this kind of music or you want to check out what we're talking about mm -hmm. um penny and sparrow is a really really popular one i think they're actually from texas but penny like the currency and sparrow like the bird i think they're christian if not catholic but yeah. they have a lot of really good stuff um a lot of my missionary friends were really yeah. into them too yeah christian uh just specifically like in the same vein that is um christian uh if you'll just give me one moment to pull up my spotify <laughs> that's actually yeah um, uh, and actually since while you're looking it up yeah another one that uh i really enjoy is the civil wars mm. Uh, so it's like the Civil War, but plural. So 
They're pretty cool, too. In case you're wondering what we like to listen to. Yeah, guys, this is just... You can listen to what we listen to. It's going to be great. Um, Gosh, who... I can't seem to find it all. Oh, and the Oh Hellos. Oh, Oh you know Hellos. Them? Yeah, they yeah. are good. Um, That's kind of along that same genre, too. Here we are. Brother Isaiah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's supposed to be really, really good. He is good. Uh, same person who, who got me on with Johnny Swim... Showed me Brother Isaiah, fantastic. And then obviously, if you're like a Christian and you're looking for more specifically Christian, obviously Brother Isaiah is a Catholic, so it's very yeah. Christian. But uh, Josh Garrels is really really good too. He's like him. so he's like one of the top like Catholic artists you should know. Mm-hmm. Apparently, oh yeah, he's he's really really good. Yeah, if you like that kind of music, uh, he's he's really good. Yeah, so just check out all that stuff, guys. Listen to. Uh, Really cool music. Um, and and then, be like us. Yeah, be like us. Uh, or be or don't. cooler be than us. Be better than us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Please we, do. Like, we are very low bar. <laughs> but, but we have fantastic taste in music. That much I'll agree with. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I feel like everyone thinks that. Well, yeah, probably. Okay, well, anyway. If you like the kind of music we like, then you will like the kind of music we like. <laughs> um, yeah, that was... Okay. That was Mo- moving on. Yeah, that was... Okay, anyway. That was the joke. Um... <clears throat> okay uh insert segue here um we yeah. are going to talk about something that clint and i uh, are well acquainted with as is gordon but he's not here yeah uh, is dungeons Sorry, and dragons uh we have alluded to this several times on the podcast all the times yeah um that all three of us play dungeons and dragons and actually all three of us are uh, dungeon masters as well in our own campaigns yeah um, some of us do multiple things. Um, for instance, I know you and Gordon are dungeon masters, but Gordon will sometimes play in your campaigns. Uh, Gordon is actually fading out of DMing. It sounds like because, okay. but uh, I run two campaigns and Gordon's in one of mine. Yeah, um, and then I run one campaign with a friend of mine, and I was playing in yours, but timing you was moved just away bad. And... and then I'm actually playing in another friend's right now as well. So it's always interesting to like play from both sides, especially because like the guy, the other campaign I'm playing in, he's new, and so it's his first time DMing. Um, so I like ask my advice, and I'm just like, well, realistically, like just do what you want. It is what you like, want it to be. Yeah, it is what you want it to be, and like I think he's doing a great job. Um, but it's really fun to play, especially because he knows that I've played before, so he like specifically tries to make it more difficult for me, um, mm. which is always fun because. That's just you how love it the is. challenge. Yeah, and I'm like, you know what? Like, who doesn't love this challenge? Clint, I know, hated me because I was just when I played in his campaign because I was just <laughs> oh, I never did the like um, little uh, puzzles and things. I would just like run in there and try to fight everything. Yeah, and I I definitely did not hate you. I I love when people do that. Actually, when I play, I'm always like. I'm that character, yeah. you know, yeah. like you, you would do like backflips when you, every time you attack just because you could. Yeah. Because I had like such a high acrobatics Yeah, that you'd be like, I'd be like, everyone would be like, all right, we have to climb and you make a strength check. And I'm like, I do a triple backflip and land it while shooting someone with a bow and arrow. And you'd be like, all right, roll for it. And I had like a plus six to acrobatics. Yeah. So it's actually better for me to do backflips than to try to like climb things. Yeah. Because like I had a better chance. So I had, my strength was super low. So I wasn't strong. I was just like very athletic for those of you who don't understand the mechanics of dungeons and dragons we will try and avoid like how the game works and just get to like the themes and stuff but yeah we're probably gonna geek out a little bit yeah, so. yeah we are geeks it is a true statement very much so. um it's actually in our twitter bio that uh 
we are geeks. Yeah. Um, and so, <laughs> yes, it is true. We definitely are. Um, very briefly, the mechanics of the game are you have different stats that you can have. And that's just basically like you roll uh, a dice and then it, you add these stats to it. And that's how you do things, um, whether or not you succeed or fail. Just very, very brief on that. But moving away from that into like the themes of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. I know that some people might have uh, some very strong feelings about the game, uh, whether or not it is way too, quote unquote, nerdy for them. Um, I would say that they just need to chill out. Yeah, so, I mean, one thing I do want to point out is mm-hmm. when this game first came out, there was this big push in the, the Christian church and mm-hmm. in the Catholic church, too, that it was uh, demonic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do want to point out that Dungeons & Dragons is not demonic. Yeah. I think uh, someone could definitely make it a cultish thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, essentially what it is, it's group storytelling yeah. with some guidelines to help right. you. Right. So just to clarify that. And then yeah. the other thing I want to point out is you're talking about it not being as nerdy as you think. Mm-hmm. So Dungeons and Dragons right now is actually growing faster and becoming more popular among like non nerds and geeks than yeah. ever before. Oh, so yeah. like it's the biggest it's ever been like yeah. by far. Yeah. And it's, it, and, and that's the thing is these things sort of happen. What I will say is, yeah, a lot of people will look at it and say it's called because like there are actually people in the game that are like warlocks or occult, you know, yeah. um, in their own way. But what I want to point out is that they are always evil. And, like, if you're playing a good campaign, like, you are trying to often prevent this evil from happening. Yeah, for, for the most part. I mean, sometimes, like, the lines can be blurred a little bit. Yeah. But one thing in general is, I mean, we were talking a little bit about this before, and mm-hmm. I don't know if you're going to talk about it later or now, mm-hmm. but um, there is a very clear sense of good versus evil yeah oh yeah yeah and that's what i was going to get into is that the game in itself um is has a very strong sense of good versus evil Mm -hmm. um probably more so i mean yes there's good versus evil but like we often blur the lines as as a people right but we as christians know like there is a war going on and dungeons and dragons like really shows that that there are very good aligned characters and there are evil aligned characters mm-hmm. and there is like a sense of neutral in there but for the most part it is a very large theme of like good versus evil and the world is like at stake and things like there's like a very heavy cost if there's there's failure to stop this evil from spreading yeah i mean yeah depending on how you play your game mm-hmm. sometimes like that line between good and evil kind of becomes like a, a gray area mm-hmm. but for the most part you understand like yeah like this person is doing bad things mm-hmm. right and so as the hero yep you can choose to do something or to not do something yep and I, i've mentioned this before but one of the things i love the most about dungeons and dragons is that it's a story mm-hmm. and you guys if you listen to the show you know that like that's like one of my obsessions and like passion in in theology too is the the power of the story mm-hmm. as uh, uh von balthasar says the what is it the, the theodrama mm-hmm. right yep the, yeah, yeah. the god story so check that out if you're a, a catholic nerd and you want to read some theology yeah, if you want to read some hans von balthasar yeah uh, um he's actually I, I really like hans uh, hans's theology yeah in general it, a lot it, of, a lot of his stuff is really good it's some of the best modern theology i think there is yeah. uh but basically my my point is like 
it's a story, mm-hmm. right? And so, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I was gonna say there's a story aspect, um, but kind of going back, just backtracking a little yeah, bit. Sorry, because that's a whole other theme I want to touch on. But in the sense of like good versus evil, you have characters like paladins and clerics that actually use divine magic. Yeah. Like, and it says in like the dungeon master, like in the dungeon master guide, like in the book, um, that yeah, you have these. Hey, Cody, you want to say hi? Cody's always wanted to be on the show. Cody, come say hi to the people. Hi, everyone. This is Cody. Uh, he's a cool dude. We talk about him all the time, and he's getting ready for work. So, hi, Cody. Sorry for interrupting. You can, okay. you can hear yourself in the future. Anyway, um, but you have like paladins and you have clerics uh, that actually use divine magic. Yeah. And, and what I was saying is in the Dungeon Master Guide, there actually is this... Um, that in the Dungeon Master, like in, in the lore of Dungeons and Dragons, there is like a pantheon of gods. Like it is a little bit polytheistic in that, yeah. like in its lore. But it says right in the book that if you want to create a world that has one god, um, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Right. In that uh, it is very open to us. And so segueing from that, right, in the sense of like there's actually the strong presence of like good versus evil and like divine and like actually participating in this cosmic battle on earth, which is like very similar to like what we, we do, Mm -hmm. there's a sense of bringing in some Tolkien theology of like our ability to subcreate. Yeah. Right. That was, that like Tolkien was like one of the ways in which we reflect God. One of the ways in which we um, are in the image and likeness of God is our ability to subcreate and like create this world and create this story. Yeah. Yeah. And, just jumping back real back to mm-hmm. uh, to the to the deities, uh, I did want to point out that there are some of the deities that are uh, reflections of the Christian God. Oh yeah, right. Uh, so I want to point out, especially the God Lathander, who's mm-hmm. like the God of the light and the sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of that can point back to the Christian God. So jumping into what you're talking about about the subcreation, I think. We've definitely talked about this before. I think you and I have talked about this on the show. So I don't want to dive into it like too much specifics. But I think the important thing to look at is that all of these things are meant to point us back to some kind of source. So I I like to point out that when someone creates a character for Dungeons & Dragons, Mm -hmm. almost always uh, they find that even if they're not doing it intentionally, the character is some aspect of themselves put into their character and so in a way as they play their character and they learn things about who the character is they learn something about themselves too mm-hmm. and so it's the same thing i think with when we subcreate um like uh, when, when we create other things like it's a representation of the the source right god and so as we understand more about what we create and as we understand more about what God creates, mm-hmm. we also understand more about the source itself. And I think right. there's this, this tie between right. that. Right. And, um, going back again, cause we're just jumping all over the place. Yeah. Um, it's all good in, in actually the, the lore of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, you have all the gods, like the Pantheon and Pantheons and things like that, but there yeah. is like a God above all of them called AO. Yeah. Literally AO. <laughs> um, and that's actually the one who created everything, like all, like, all of the multiverse and all of the everything and the gods and everything all came from this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like the God above, um, which is probably more 
true to like this one creator yeah right that yeah. even even in like this pantheon like there's this recognition that there's all this power actually comes from one like this one is higher than than everything mm-hmm. doing in that too is one of the things that i love about dungeons and dragons is there's really this sense of community right mm-hmm. that you have this party um and you see this definitely like as a dungeon master um, as someone who's like running the game that one character will shine through in different ways right yeah that um and then one of the things too is you have these like backstories and like depths to the character that you want um and you kind of can plan and, and you should plan to have them all shine in different ways in their own ways and you don't want to have just like one party that's all one kind of character right, right. there's different classes and races and they all can do different things and the way that you want to like the way that the party ends up structuring is that somebody's really good at sneaking or someone's really good at fighting or someone's really good at magic or something like that. And it opens it up to where you really have this body of Christ sort of thing where they are all contributing their gifts and talents um, and where one might be strong, the other might be weak and they're able to help each other to achieve this goal. Mm -hmm. Right. And it builds this sense of community that you see within the church, right? This like community of Christ. Yeah. It's very much like the, the body of Christ and, and how each of us has the, uh, different roles, the different parts of of the body, each member. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh, but I I do want to touch on community while while we're talking about it. So as, as I said, uh, I was at the conference in, in Philadelphia, the, the PAX and, this one being PAX Unplugged is all about tabletop games. So there's a lot of Dungeons and Dragons there. I got to see a lot of it. And the first day I went to uh, kind of a, a keynote talk by Jeremy Crawford, mm-hmm. who is actually the the lead editor and rules designer for Dungeons and Dragons. Right. And so he is a big deal. And he talked about a lot of different stuff, but the main theme that kept coming up over and over again is this theme of community, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's this idea that uh, not just community inside the game, but community outside the game too. Mm-hmm. So it's all about bringing people together, um, whether they are similar or they are different. And we see that even more now as we were talking about how this game is reaching people who are not like your stereotypical Mm-hmm. nerds or geeks or whatever but it's, it's bringing people together because at its root it reveals something and uh mr crawford actually talked about this in his talk too like it reveals something of ourselves it's this opportunity to be um vulnerable using your your favorite yeah. term uh to be vulnerable in a way that we don't have to put our entire selves on the line, but we can show people something about ourselves through these characters and we can learn about ourselves. And as we develop that and as mm-hmm. we develop our community in real life, mm-hmm. uh, we have this space where we can now open up ourselves. Right. And so uh, we have a lot of this community on, on the outside of the game too. I also want to point out that I didn't know this, but apparently he used to be a seminarian. Really? Jeremy Crawford. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't think he's Christian anymore. Oh, well, that's but, unfortunate. Yeah. So, um, What I will point out to... Well, going back to that, I think that regardless of that, that he still has that foundation. Um, and so it's still something that I think would influence the way he views the world, even if he is on his own journey. Right. right. 
um, that hopefully ultimately leads back to Christ. Um, But what I will say this, another theme of Dungeons & Dragons that I really like is the game Dungeons & Dragons has really influenced a lot of different genres and games and fantasy and the like. Uh, Even if you don't play that, if you've ever played a video game um, that was like a RPG, like a role-playing game, even like, for instance, like The Legends of Zelda or Skyrim or something like that's popular like that, Mm -hmm. behind the scenes of what's going on there is the same things that happened in Dungeons & Dragons. It's the same sort of statistics and things that are being played with, but it's just that on a screen, right? That these things have all been influenced by what Dungeons & Dragons has done. I want to point out that Dungeons & Dragons got a lot of their stuff from the Lord of the Rings and Tolkien. So yeah. it's kind of like this. Uh, we have this Catholic mm-hmm. fantasy story of uh, Tolkien's world, mm-hmm. which then inspires this game, which uh, the Dungeons and Dragons, which we have this, this role-playing game, which also reveals uh, these themes of Christian mm-hmm. uh, ideas and principles. Right. And then that's going on to, to inspire basically inspire all modern fantasy games yeah right? and so we see kind of this trickle effect of tolkien not only created like his world but he influenced all of these great worlds that we're seeing right as... and inspired it yeah. yeah yeah and and i think that like we see that too in the christian faith uh is this just like constant inspiration but another big thing um that i want to go back to is this theme of uh what I was originally trying to say is that in Dungeons and Dragons, it's very open world. Yeah. Um, and probably more so than, than some of these things that it's influenced that Dungeons and Dragons at its core really emphasizes and almost glorifies like free will, like the ability to freely act. There are some, some rules in place to like help the game flow. So it's not just like a bunch of people playing pretend with like no rules in place. Right. But um, so it's a little bit more realistic, but at the same time, you really can do whatever you want. And there is this heavy sense of freely choosing, uh, and being able to freely have this choice. And then those choices end up having consequences Yeah. Uh, in that you have, um, you can do something and it might end up working out and that's great, or it might fail. And then you have to live with the consequences of that failure. Yeah, I, I think these are probably two of the biggest lessons in anyone who's new to playing Dungeons & Dragons. Number one yeah. is you can do just about anything, yeah. right? It's it's supposed to be like real life, but cooler because it's fantasy and like the, the limits are less. Mm-hmm. L- oh, limit less. Uh, I didn't even intend yeah. to do that. But so we, this is one of the things I want to point out too is the free will. So we have so many options. And, but going off the rules, what I do want to point out is the rules don't restrict the free will. Mm-hmm. It gives it structure. Right. And it's very much the same thing with our, our life and, and our faith, right? So we have these rules that are called morals, right? And a lot of the times I think the Catholic Church and Christians mm-hmm. in general get kind of looked down upon uh, for having too many rules or just being right. like restricting. But as we look at these, and I know I've talked about this before. Um, and I always talk about how Bishop Barrent uses this example too, but when we try to play a game like, uh, whatever sport, I don't know, baseball, Mm -hmm. right? 
if we're going to play baseball, but we don't have rules, does that uh, make the game better? No, it's no longer baseball if we don't have the rules. Right. Right. And so if we love it, we cherish those rules. Yep. We, we desire them because they give structure and meaning to what we're doing. Yep. Going, going off of that, um, there's actually g- talking about these like fantasy games that sort of have come yeah, from um, sure. Dungeons and Dragons. There's a, there's a video game out there called Fallout 4 that's very, very popular. Um, and I heard it flopped. Yeah. Uh, Fallout 4? Yeah, I heard it flopped. Oh, really? That's what I heard. I don't know. I didn't yeah. play it. Um, I mean, it's out there. It's, people are always going to attack it. But in that game, one of the things is you're in, you, it's a futuristic timeline post-apocalyptic post-apocalyptic thing but anyway you always play this character who gets cryogenically frozen in that game and so you existed in like the you know 1950s 40s and 50s you get frozen and then you exist in this futuristic timeline right well in that futuristic timeline you meet this guy and they there's a society that's living inside of an old baseball stadium oh nice but they have no idea what baseball is and so he has this idea, and he's like, "Oh yeah, you had this, and then you have this club, and like you, you know." And it was like this, like almost like a gladiatorial arena, because they had no idea what the rules of baseball were. Oh my were. gosh! Yeah, this is perfect. Yeah, and that's why I brought it up. And so you, they have no idea what the rules of baseball were, so they just assumed that baseball was like this gladiatory fight. And then your character's like, "No, baseball was this, and like the bases were this, and you had these rules." And they are like, "That sounds so boring," you know, because they have no idea. Right, and and, and that's exactly what's happening, right? So. Mm-hmm. Imagine if a baseball player were to like encounter that, like it would be like painful to yeah. them, like to to say no, that's not what baseball is. Yeah, and you would want to express like no, this is what it is, and this is why that's beautiful. Right, right? and that's like we as Christians, we shouldn't be like ashamed of like these these morals, these values, these quote unquote rules, mm-hmm. because. Those are what provide structure to our lives. Right. Those are what they're universal. They're not just for Christians, but they, they provide structure to our lives and they give it value and meaning. Mm-hmm. Right. Without morals, without God, we really don't have any meaning to our life other than we're here and then we're gone. Yeah. Right. And so we, we have this, this meaning, we, we have this structure and it's a beautiful thing that we should, we should share just like we would share in that case, to correct them on how to play baseball, right? Right, because it's right. it's important. It's something that we we, we love. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, that's like the great thing with it. Just about that is, yeah, you have these rules, but really you have this freedom. And then yeah. one of the great things is, yeah, then you have this freedom, and so people are making these choices, but then they forget that, like, part of also the structure of Dungeons and Dragons is it's supposed to be in this larger world, and their mm-hmm. actions are supposed to have consequences. Like, yeah. you can't just go in and do something that would disrupt the order and then expect to just keep going along with what you're doing and there's no ramifications and that really i think reflects real life that yes we have free will and yes we have the ability to really do whatever but that doesn't mean that our choices are without consequence right and like the consequence for sin is death right or the consequence for breaking the law is potentially imprisonment or um you know some sort of justice yeah and like, like i was saying i think this is the second major like lesson that all new Dungeons and Dragons players need to understand is mm-hmm. that yes you can do anything you want in this game but whatever you choose will influence everything mm-hmm. and so this is something that uh, I've really been trying to like impart in the campaigns that I've been playing uh, including the one that you used to be a part of mm-hmm. the first one of which 
I think you were still there for that. But when Cody's character mm-hmm. um, got all of you guys in a lot of trouble. Yep. Right. And so basically what happened was I put like these slaves imprisoned mm-hmm. in front of uh, Cody's character, yep. who was a very, very good person. And Cody, uh, being like the one who wants to save the slaves. I regret nothing. He regrets nothing. See? Okay. So there you go. But his consequence of saving these slaves led to them getting in trouble with other people, right? So even though it's a good action, it has consequences. And another thing I want to point out before, sorry, I'm kind of mm-hmm. railroading no, 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 here. No, no. Take it. Um, so one thing, and you know, know this, Steve, but one thing that I've done with that campaign is I always bring in guests to come play, right? Mm-hmm. And so what happened was um, Gordon and a few other people came in as a guest group of four people to come and play one time. And it became so fun to see this other group that we created a separate campaign. So that's why there's two of them. But what Gordon does with his group on Friday night actually influences what Cody and the others do on Saturday night because they're in the same world. Mm-hmm. So even though like your yeah. actions like might affect your group, they also affect everything else that's happening, including this other yep. group that's not even necessarily like near you anymore. Yeah. And so I've actually done that where I've like run a couple random campaigns with people. I love it. It's so um, much fun. And I consider it all canon. And even actually in the campaign that I'm playing in, it exists in the same world and it's set a few years in the past, like yeah. a few years before. And so actually what happens in that campaign that I'm playing in, I actually bring in and like we'll have NPCs or like non-playable characters or just like random people or random events that happen because of what happened there. Yeah. And so like the world is influenced and and I kind of want to actually tie that in because our actions, like in real life, our actions really do have that far reaching of consequences yeah. that, you know, the, the biggest lie of sin is that it only affects us, that it really doesn't hurt anybody. That sin by its nature does have far reaching consequences that it actually affects our relationships with others it affects our relationship with god it it really does warp um things yeah and i think you touched on that in our pocahontas episode too Mm -hmm. right that uh it it has effects right and the the fact that or not the fact but the the lie that it doesn't affect anyone else is isolation like Mm -hmm. so it's the the lie from from satan trying to say like no this is like you're on your own like this doesn't affect anyone else like you're isolated um and that's how satan works right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you definitely pointed out there's three main relationships that are damaged by every sin period every single one Mm -hmm. and that's your relationship with god your relationship with others and your relationship with yourself, yourself right and I don't care if you do like this tiny little sin that's mm-hmm. just like even in your head that influences all three of those relationships. Yeah. And, and I think that, I mean, that is pointed out to us by Christ, right? You know, when he's talking about, you know, the meats and like unclean meats and things like that, he's like, you know, what is outside can't corrupt what's in, right? It's from what comes from within that corrupts. Uh, and it's our sin inside of us that ultimately in the same way, and, it, and I think that like talking about Tolkien theology a little bit Bring of what, you know, the orcs are these twisted versions yeah. of, of elves, right? This, that, that evil and Satan can't create, but they can warp 
what is and true. corrupt what yeah. is true, right? And that's what sin is. Sin is an archery term to mean to miss the mark, yeah. right? That ultimately our desires, we desire what is good, but when we, when we misalign them, when we miss the mark, we find ourselves in sin. You know, when you look at uh, what I was saying with the, the corruption of the orcs and, and um, that what is from within that corrupts, that the nature of sin in that way is really a distortion of the truth. That is, God outpours his love into us, and then that love outpours into others. That when we sin, that that corruption, that thing festers away in us. And and I've mentioned this before on the podcast, and it's Mm -hmm. been something that's been on my heart recently, is this idea of spiritual leprosy. Um, That when I was in Kolkata, India, I had a chance to meet lepers. And a lot of times, leprosy is, actually what leprosy is, is a bacterial infection. And in a lot of ways, and most of the time, these lepers, and especially the lepers that you would have seen that went to Christ to get healed, probably, for the most part, probably didn't continue to have leprosy. The people living in leper colonies in India and around the world, leprosy would kill you. And if it didn't kill you, it just left you severely disfigured. Like, you can defeat it, but then you didn't, you can no longer give leprosy to anyone else, but you would always look like a leper, mm-hmm. right? And when you read scripture, you see that God is setting them apart um, not saying kill them because the people at the time would just kill you if you had leprosy, but he was saying, no, no, keep them alive, allow them to be able to beat this disease, but keep them separate so that they don't spread the disease to everyone else, right? That there was a mercy there and it gets twisted to let's mistreat the lepers, right? right? And that from what sin ultimately does is it gives us that spiritual leprosy of that disfiguring that potentially, you know, unless we seek the reconciliation of God to heal us of it fully, because that's what he was Christ was really doing when he was healing lepers is he wasn't just healing them from having leprosy, but he was healing those disformities, those, that corruption, that disfigurement that came from it. And when we sin, we find ourselves developing the spiritual leprosy where we become disfigured and disformed within. And it is only through the reconciliation and the healing from the divine physician of Christ that he heals our spiritual leprosy, makes us whole again makes us beautiful um, as we were meant to be. Yeah, and I think that's a perfect transition to kind of my thoughts there. Um, Because when we look at those three relationships, I I think this is a perfect example of uh, the gift of sacrament of reconciliation, Mm -hmm. right? Because uh, reconciliation uh, literally means, uh, so it comes from like the word celia, for the uh, eyelash, right? So it's literally means to come eyelash to eyelash again. Mm-hmm. And so it's this intimate moment of like gazing into like someone's eyes so close that your eyelashes are touching. And so in reconciliation, the reason why it's structured the way it is with the priest and why we uh, confess our sins to the priest um, is because first off, he's acting in persona Christi. So he's acting in the person of Christ, mm-hmm. right? And so he is not only representing Christ, he is uh, being a vessel of Christ in that moment. And so... Yeah, that it is Christ who is absolving us of our sins in right, the sacrament. Not, not the priest, right? And so because of that, when we do that, we are reconciling, we are coming eyelash to eyelash again with the priest, or with, the, the, uh, with, with God, but we're also, mm-hmm. since the priest is a representative of the community and of the church, we are reconciling with the community as well yeah. in that moment. Yeah. And so also the third one, ourselves 
uh, through that, we're also reconciling with, with, with our own. Right. And we're allowing God to heal us of that. And, and one of the things too, is I think we need to turn to God to prayer and, and really seek and why we have uh, penance and things like that, um, is that yes, absolution heals us of that sin. It, it, I think of it in terms of like, if we stabbed ourselves in the leg. Right, and this is, I think, a good analogy. You stab. <laughs> just hear me out. If okay. you, if you, for instance, like stabbed yourself in the leg, like you were wounded, right? You have yeah. wounded yourself, and you can remove that, right? And you can clean it up, and in a lot of ways, you can clean the clothing, um, and you can even slap a bandaid on it. And when you're absolved, like you, you've become cleaned, right? You've, you've been that that has been removed and it has been put up. But if you're not continuous to turn back to God after that right that you still have the effects of sin right there still is that wound that's deeper within and it can potentially fester and become worse and so we need to continue to seek the divine doctor to fully heal that wound yeah it's like if you're not cleaning it and and replacing the bandages and stuff like that then you get infected yeah and then it becomes worse right and this is the way that sin works in our hearts. Um, also, I think it's really interesting just going back to our actual theme of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yeah, we got a little on um, there. Is there actually is, uh, when you read in, in the monster manual, which is this list of like the creatures, there's this creature called uh, a death knight, right? Yeah. Which is a paladin who breaks his oath yep. and becomes evil. And then when he dies, he comes back to life as this just unholy undead creature. Right. Um, and it says in the block about like what this creature is, that like if a paladin were to break his oath um, and then die, he would become a death knight unless he were to seek reconciliation through a cleric, through the priest yeah. of his order. Yeah. Um, and that I just thought it was so interesting that in the lore of Dungeons and Dragons, the sacrament of reconciliation exists. Oh, yeah. And it actually has this like real effect and real presence that is important that literally saves their soul that saves the soul of the paladin like that if the paladin doesn't seek that reconciliation they are doomed to become this undead unholy creature that that drives evil in the world but if they if they seek that reconciliation they are immediately forgiven and like are saved from that faith and the fact that they broke that oath is forgiven them and like that's a real lore yeah that's huge and for those of you who don't play dungeons dragons or you you're not mm-hmm. geeky. I just, I do want to clarify. Uh, a paladin is a holy warrior mm-hmm. for a specific deity. Mm-hmm. Um, they are almost always like to the rules. They they are supposed to be always good. Yeah. Right. And so they are, they have this deity, but when they do something evil, mm-hmm. that could potentially break their their vow or their oath, like you said, mm-hmm. um, and cause them to be like this dark paladin or this yeah. evil paladin and, and they when yeah. that happens because mm-hmm. their power actually comes from their god and not from themselves they actually can be stripped of their power yeah and that's and, written into the rules and it's well. written into the rules but when you become an oath breaker um it's such like if you were to level up you couldn't add the level to paladin like you have to become something else yeah. you you actually lose your identity yeah you lose the ability to be be that that paladin yeah um and it's just so amazing to, to kind of see that. Like, you might have some remnants of the power, but, like, you could never grow in it. Going back into it, that ultimately, um, the reason that I love Dungeons & Dragons so much is it allows that sense of, like, that creative participation. Mm. Um, that ultimately, we, 
as uh, as human beings, and as I've mentioned before, and as we've we've talked about several times, um, have the ability to subcreate, in that we really are doing justice to God and reflecting Him when we use our imaginations. That we as human beings are unique in our ability to imagine and to subcreate, to create vast worlds in our minds. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see that, and we've talked about this in our art podcast, that we have the ability to, through our own gifts and talents, tell these stories and tell, um, whether it be verbally or written or on a canvas or just through our lives and through our actions, be able to share this. Um, and then in a lot of ways, that is an interaction and can be, if done properly, a prayer um, where we are really participating in God's story in our own way. And we each individually have our own stories Mm. that build this greater sense of the glory of God. Yeah. And that's actually what I was thinking too. Um, (laughs) Wait, it's almost like we're friends. First, first off, I want to clarify. uh, Are you saying Dungeons and Dragons is a prayerful activity? Because if so, my prayer life has been on point. (laughs) Uh, I'm saying (laughs) that in the way that we can pray through our actions, uh, if you're mindful, um, prayer through action is a prayer. And that there might be some potentially holy or good things that can come from this. Holy fruits. Yeah, holy fruits that come from it. Uh, I'm not saying that, that... if you have the option of going to adoration or playing Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> you should choose D and uh, I am saying that in our actions, we can continue to pray always. Yeah. So, and that's what I thought you meant, and it's good, yeah. just good to clarify. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we don't want anyone being oh, oh the yeah. Christ and culture said I don't have to pray anymore. I'll just play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, do, if do you're, both. Do yeah, both. Yeah, yeah. If you are removed from the source, then uh, you can't pray in action if removed from the source of prayer. Oh, that is God. Yeah, yeah. So you actually. You can pray through actions, and that's important, but that cannot be your only source of prayer. Right. You need con- contemplative prayer. You need to be able to sit back and listen to what God is saying because prayer through action works when we have the directive of God. Right. When God actually, when we sit down and listen to what it is that God wants to use our lives for, then we are praying when we do those things to glorify God. When we listen to what God's purpose in our life is and enact it, but if we are removed from that, if we don't listen to him, if we aren't allowing God to change us, then we can't be glorifying him through our changing of the world. And that actually ties really well back to what I wanted to say about subcreation and storytelling. Mm-hmm. So obviously, like I said, Dungeons and Dragons is just group storytelling. You have the main storyteller, which we call the dungeon master. Uh, their job is to just set the scene, tell the story, and they do the majority of the storytelling, but then everyone else plays their character. Mm -hmm. So what I want to point out here is in life, we have this main storyteller that sets the scene, that creates the world that we live in, that we we have our adventure in, and we play this certain character within that world. Mm -hmm. And our job is to participate in the story told by the master Mm -hmm. in as much as we can. Yep. And that's exactly what we were talking about with the sub-creation. So in the end, we are not the ones who are creating the story. We're not the ones who are telling the grand scheme of the story, but we are telling our part of the story. 
And this is very much the, the point of this show, right? That we all have our adventure, but our adventure is part of this greater adventure, part of this greater story, right? And this leads back to the, the theodrama, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And it's all connected. But I think that's a beautiful thing, right? That we are tied back to the master. And in order to be able to participate in that story, just like you said, mm-hmm. we have to be rooted in that prayer, Right. Rooted in the source of where that comes from, not just the act of living in the story, but to the source of the one telling the story. Right. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I love what we do. Yeah. Also, one other theme that I want to add in here is I think it's the, the iconic villain of Dungeons and Dragons is in its name, the dragon. Right. And I think that that's so telling of like Christian theology where like, Satan is described as a dragon. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a fake quote of Tolkien that says, uh, a story without dragons is not a story worth telling. It's not actually his quote. Yeah. Uh, but I always think that's funny because even the Bible has a dragon. Check out Revelation. Yeah. Uh, where yeah. literally... Yeah. In is, the serpent in Genesis, the word for serpent and dragon are the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I just think that that's very funny. They were talking about a deity and a dragon, right? Yeah, that's fight between God and Satan. Yeah, uh, that ultimately God will win because Satan is a creation, but the deity and dragon. Yep, it's the name of this podcast. Check it out. With that, um, I think my challenge this week. We're coming into the new year. We are. Uh, this is the last podcast of 2018. I think yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, this I just got last... goosebumps. Yeah, this is the last podcast of 2018. Holy cow! Um, and what a way to end it. Um, talking about one of our favorite things. And so I, for the new year, right? For your new year, for your new year's resolution and not your new year's resolution that you're going to give up with on the first weekend of February. Yeah. But like really something that you're going to carry in throughout 2019, but also throughout the rest of your life. Okay. This is a, this is a powerful challenge to you is to recognize, to take the time to prayerfully ask, what is your story? What is it? Because like God has created you for a specific purpose and you really are the main character of a story being told by God. Like mm-hmm. you are the main character of your own story and God wants to use you uniquely in a way that he cannot use anyone else because he did not create them for what he created you to do. Mm-hmm. And so I want you to prayerfully ask him and prayerfully actually sit before him and ask, what is your story? What is it you want? And maybe he doesn't, I mean, he's not, might, he probably won't tell you what your whole story toward the end is, but he certainly will tell you what your next step is. And that's why this is a continuous challenge mm. is what is my next right step? Well, we have a, we had a guy who come in, he came in, he has a blog called a sign of hope and he has several things that he says, like, what is it that we do is we, we, Take the next right step. That the best thing we can do for the world to be a sign of hope is to keep doing what's right and to take the next right step. Mm -hmm. And so what is the next right step in your story? I keep going back to journaling, but that's a good way to see where you've come from, how your story has evolved thus far and where it's going. Um, And to remember that we're all called, you know, when we hear the stories of the saints, these great epic tales sometimes, um, even if you have someone as simple as St. Therese of Lisieux that mm. doesn't have this great story in 
um, the classical sense, but really does have a wonderfully epic story in her own spirituality. But that we are all called to have that epic story of the saint. Like we were all called to be saints. And so to live that and to ask how we achieve that. And it's not this daunting task of, well, for the next however many years, but what's my next right step? What's the next thing in my story? I I want to make a random mention, but uh, it's funny that you mentioned the journaling on, on this episode because mm-hmm. the only time that I journal is for Dungeons and Dragons to make sure I have all my things <laughs> in line because the world is so vast. Yeah. Um, so I just think that's kind of ironic. Yeah. Um, I have a shout out if you're ready for that. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, so I was just going through my my uh, show notes before we got uh, recording here, and I found an old note to give a shout out to Doug. I don't remember who Doug is, but I'm sorry. Uh, so <laughs> here's a shout out, probably like months after I was supposed to give it to you. Uh, but shout out to to Doug. Yeah. There you go. Perfect. That's all I got. Um. I don't have any shout outs really for this week, but just a reminder that it is still at this point, still technically Disney December. Yeah. Um, and so two days, Yeah, two days left to take a video, take a recording. However, of listening to reading, watching something Disney and then sending us something mm-hmm. on that, uh, the Christ, the, what you found, um, how you found Christ in that Disney culture. The Christ and culture thing. I, we got to come up with a better way of saying that. There actually is a word for it. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Um, no, there, there, it's uh, it's actually from the early church, if I can find it. Baron calls it the seeds of the... the yeah, the seeds, seeds of the, of the word, word, or in, in Latin, um, semina verbi. Semina verbi. Right, the seeds oh, of the Oh, yeah, word. it's the same thing. Yeah. yeah. It's just the, the, the Latin or Greek. Yeah, it's Latin. Yeah. 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 Well, I just saw Greek here when I looked it up to double check my pronunciation. Because um, I think I've completely butchered that several times in this podcast. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but anyway, seeds of the word. Um, but yeah, <laughs> finding Christ in it. Um, this is something I was just talking about somebody else with the other day. Is that that at the end of the day, we are all like... The, 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 the theme of... Um, Vatican II in a lot of ways and uh, dialogue and proclamation was that right is this the sense that we are all like lumen gentium right like that is what is happening in this podcast is Mm -hmm. we are trying to find the truth and how it's ultimately oriented toward Christ yeah right Um, but anyway um, do you want to close us out Clint I would love to go to work (laughs) yeah uh, time to go to work so with that guys have a happy New Year's Eve uh, and, and New Year's. And I do want to say, please travel safe if you're traveling, uh, especially if you're traveling somewhere where there's snow. I know what it's like to drive in snow, so please be careful, guys. We will be praying for you, uh, and please pray for us. We will all be traveling, so we will need the prayers. Um, but thank you guys for joining us in the adventure this week. We'll see you next year. Have a good one. Spur